0: Coming up. Welcome to the Bat Flip Crazy Podcast with your host, Toby G. Hello and welcome to episode 239 of the Batflip Crazy Podcast where you always find enthusiastic data-driven fantasy baseball analysis and strategy. I am your host, Toby. Today is edition number 143 of Bubba and the Batflip. Bubba and I start off our two-part outfield position preview with outfielders 1 through 15. Then we pick a couple that we like between 200 and 300 and then 300 and plus. And we'll do the same thing next week except we'll look at um, sixteen to thirty um, in terms of ADP, and then share some of the guys that go in later on that we like as well. All right, hope you enjoy the episode. Um, let's get this party started. Mm-hmm.
1: And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bubba and the Batflip, episode 143. As we continue our positional previews for the 2023 fantasy baseball season, we head to the outfield. Do part one of the outfield on this episode. It'll be the top 15 outfielders plus some late targets. And we'll do 16 through 30 next week, so on and so forth, to get you ready for the 2023 fantasy baseball season. You can find myself on Twitter at BD and in my co host, as always, on Twitter at BatflipCrazyToby. How are we doing, my friend?
0: Uh, doing well, Bubba. More and more projections are coming online. You know, we got steamers up there. We got the Bat-X and the Bat. and We got Razzball, which is, you know, Rudy Gamble's take on, on steamer, which is also helpful. So a lot of projection systems coming, coming through. So that excites me because I feel like that's the start of my baseball season this year.
1: Yeah, it's um, uh, over at Gaining the Edge, uh, Simeon, Michael Simeon, SP Streamer he's kind of taking your approach this year where he didn't really want to make any rankings and do too many drafts until he got projections out. Now, once the bat came out, he started using Rudy's deal. He's starting to put stuff together and he started to get the, the itch kind of like how you are a lot of similar uh, thoughts. It seems like you guys have in the, with the you know projections and whatnot. So it's a, it is go time. ATC is supposed to come out on Wednesday, the 18th. That's what the latest tweet said. So we'll have a, by a the time of- you're
0: listening to this, yep, exactly. probably
1: most likely it should be dropped out. And then obviously there'll be updates because even um, Derek Cardi Cohen already Ariel already said that there's going to be more adjustments because they haven't even factored in the rule changes. Toronto's changing their ballpark. There's a few other things that are taking place, but um, it won't be I don't think be anything too drastic. Just something to keep in mind. There will be alterations as the draft season goes on. But um, let's get into the outfield. Let's talk about the outfield. Everyone talks about how it drops off a cliff so fast five you know five outfielder leagues 12 team league that's 60 outfielders 15 team leagues that's another you know what 15 75 outfielders so it gets deep real real quick how are you approaching the outfield position this year
0: yeah um i don't know i think it's interesting i think generally my approach what i'm trying to do is kind of what you just articulated is really trust the projections and and the, that process and um and so with that in mind, I think that I think that there's obviously some real talent towards the top that people have talked about. But I do think that there's kind of little pockets of value here and there um, or perceived value, you know, when I'm taking a look at the projection versus where people are with ADP. There's a really nice little group, you know, between 50 and 100, um, you know, that, uh, you know, actually even like 50 and you know 120 or so. There's a few players in there that that look like they're pretty good, so I think you know I'll maybe sound like a broken record by the time we get to the end of these initial previews, but what I'm really trying to do is identify places where I can I can make some make up some value, and so maybe that means waiting on outfield a little bit and taking some of these kind of later round guys where there's a little bit more volatility in the projection, but the projections show that based on where they're going right now and what they should or could contribute. Um, you know, that, that they might make a lot of sense. And I think there's some higher upside guys going later on, right. Who, who, you know, sometimes you have to take a early risk, you know, to attack some of that upside. And I think there's some guys going on later that, um that I'm just getting distracted by Nick. Yeah. Nick, Nick um, Pollock's
1: having a lot of fun in the YouTube chat, by the way, folks. So, yeah, yeah. So he, 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 he said Toby
0: her. looks like a man made for mate. Made Made for for the the winter. winter. And I think you're right. You're absolutely right, Nick. I've never actually received a compliment that has felt so good as (laughs) what you just said. Um, There's never enough firewood, Nick. There's never enough firewood. You got to keep on chopping. (laughs) So I think there's some profiles later on that are really interesting, like that could really hit big or flame out. But when there isn't a really high draft pick associated with that. I think it's a little bit more interesting. So I think there are different ways to approach it. I think there's definitely little chunks there where, you know, maybe I'll be targeting a couple outfielders, you know, in in that uh, ADP range of like 50 to to 120, something like that. I kind of dig that right there and then later on in the draft. So I think it's some of those like middling guys, those kind of guys in the middle where there's just not a lot not a lot there necessarily but there's definitely some guys to get that was all over the place because we were inter- interrupted by this beautiful you know Person. dissertation of how lovely i am on in the chat so
1: yeah yeah toby gets easily uh um... Bl- you know, blushing, and when it comes to Nick Pollock, that's his uh, Dairy Queen squeeze. So um, you got got to watch out there. It's, it's, and Nick's already trying to be like, hey, are you coming to see me pretty soon? He's already he's already putting in the moves in the chat. So wow, gotta watch out for Nick Pollock well,
0: there. The one nice thing about summer is ice cream. Yep. That's for sure.
1: There you go. Uh, yeah, for me in the outfield, it's kind of like I, I prefer to get at least one or two of the early, not early, early, like top 30 guys if I can. But what I will say to the... The confusion, like the the drop off people talk about, it. it does it drops off from like your you know quality quality guys, but there's still tons of value potential, as Toby said. But the one thing is, if you're gonna stream a position potentially, there's always moving parts in the outfield from week to week. It's like, hey, you know this guy's got a four game series and there's or he faces like five lefties out of six games or something. All of a sudden, this guy's became a valuable streaming option that you didn't have before. You get a lot more of that in the outfield than you other positions. Let's put it that way, because uh, a lot of fourth and fifth outfielders on a team. So you could use that angle if you want to wait, try to like, you know, hit some darts late. If it doesn't work out, play the streaming game, go from there. It's quote unquote, a little easier, I'd say than other positions to stream as the season goes on. But uh, that'd be my, my two, two options there. If, uh, if I had to go there, but I, I like to get at least one or two, because there's a lot of good five category studs that we're going to talk about that I'm a big, big fan of early on that helps if you want to take some value at some other positions at a later time in the draft. All right, we're going to use NFBC DC ADP since uh, December 25th, Christmas. Uh, When I did this outline, there was 11 drafts completed. Now there's 13. So still next week we'll kind of shorten it down again to try to keep it to the 10 or 11 range. But they're starting to pump out drafts, which is good to see as draft season gets going here in mid-January. But we'll do the top uh, 15, like I said, ADP. Then we'll do some deeper shots. The top ADP guy as of last night is Mr. Ronald Acuña Jr. This time last year Toby was like, "Hey, I don't know if he's worth taking because you know the injury, how many is he going to run." He still was pretty darn good when all things were set and done with Mr. Acuña. He ran. He, he just ran, didn't do anything else. Ran way more than people thought. That's the beautiful thing of Ronald Acuña Jr. So people are buying back in. You know, we talked about before his injuries a couple of years ago. This is a 40-40 caliber type guy at worst 30-30. Um I think it's a pretty solid floor you get with him. I expect the power to bounce back. I would say that much. Uh, I'm I'm a big fan of what we got from Mr. Acuna coming up here. So what's your thoughts on Ronald Acuna Jr. this season?
0: Yeah, I think it's just another example of how much smarter people are now. You know, we, when you have, uh, you have access to all these things like me, I was like, Oh, well maybe I'll be able to get Acuna, you know, like later on and, you know, like later on in the first round because he didn't hit for power this year, but. People see it was a bit of a fluke. You know, he had his career home run per fly ball is 21.9%, which includes last year. Before then, his lowest total ever was 21.1. And then he had a 12.8%, which obviously, you know, there's some of that is the impact of the ball. But 44 barrels and only 15 home runs. So an incredibly low number there, like 33% barrel to home run rate. So lack of luck there. The max exit velocity is awesome. Like everything's really good. Everything looks really good. He got unlucky on home runs. Um, probably got unlucky as well when it comes to runs and RBI, just from a per plate appearance basis. So I think all, all, all signs point to good. The ground ball rate spiked dramatically last year. But, you know, again, I think he was battling injuries. So I would expect that to get close back closer to where it has been throughout his career closer at 40 40 percent excuse me (laughs) i'm really boring myself even here uh so yeah so i think he's great if you look at you know the projections love him he's he is the number one player on in my rankings um based on his projections and now i've I've incorporated a few more projection systems into there. So they've changed since last week, but um, they still all love Acuna. Yeah.
1: There's nothing not, there's not much not to love with Ronald Acuna Jr. Like uh, he was battling the injury, as you mentioned last year. I'm I'm expecting things to get kind of back to status quo. You could kind of pencil in a 265, 270 average, a 30, 30 plus upside. Love it. Absolutely love it. Going to be hit at the top of a very good Braves lineup. So you don't have to go too deep into this. It's um, a nice... I'm mean, going to call it a bounce back. It's more like you said, people are just smart enough to realize, like, hey, this isn't who he was. He's still young. He's going to be just fine. I- I'm all aboard that. I- I'm okay being wrong if he's not. If he's really something, I'll be wrong because the ceiling he brings to the table is going to be outstanding. Uh, the second outfiller off the board is a very exciting young player. Again, it's a trend we have here towards the top of the opposite position, and that is Julio Rodriguez of the Seattle Mariners. Rookie campaign, 28 homers, 25 steals, 284 average Was just Playing out outstanding, kind of slowed down a bit in the second half. That's something to kind of keep in mind. There was a little bit of a, a pullback because he was just so good out the gate. Still a great season. Not a lot of complaints there, but um, to me, it, it, he's definitely just behind the Cuny for me.
0: Yeah, he's um, he's very good as well. There's projections don't like him as much. Thir- Ranked 13th, but you know, uh, right at twenty nine dollars about so. Projection doesn't like where he's going right now in drafts, but you can see the upside clearly. You know, he's got room to grow into that potentially with some skill development like increased contact or better plate discipline potentially. You know, the one thing I'll say is I think the major question mark is around that batting average. 345 Babbitt, you could clearly see why a guy like him might have a higher Babbitt than than average, but we don't have a long kind of history or track record to kind of tell us. So the projections see that going down a little bit, I think, which probably accounts for, you know, that lower projection. Um, so he's he's fine. But I mean, you know, you're starting off with a twenty five twenty five guy with, you know, a good batting average. So I think it I think it's nice. I probably wouldn't go him, but I can see why people would.
1: Yeah, it's fun because, like, I was a part of that first DC that we were drafting before the season was even over, like a bunch of delinquents. And like, the biggest talk was, should J, uh, J Rob be number one? And there was a lot of people saying, sure, like, there's no argument against it. And that's the funny thing about early drafts and the more research you do and projections you look at and other things. It's like, still an amazing player. Wouldn't mind if he fell to me in a draft, but there's my keyword, fell to me in a draft. I'm not reaching for him where other people will reach for him. I think he's still a great player. He'd play to be like six or seven for me because there's a, the Acuna's, the J Rams, probably even have Judge ahead of them. I honestly think I'd rather have Kyle Tucker personally. That's that's me. Um, it's just there, there's a lot of other situational plays uh, to go there, even Trey Turner potentially. But it's it's a real interesting dynamic uh, with with J Rod. I got nothing nothing against the kid. I he'll be very very good. Just uh, he's gonna be a little too rich for my blood, I think, because most people will have him higher than me in drafts. The third outfielder off the board, and you know at one. Point was like the first outfielder off the board, uh, ADP of five is Aaron Judge, coming off the 62 home run, 311 average, 130, 133 runs, 131 RBIs, 16 stolen but just, just video game numbers from Aaron Judge. And the bugaboo most of us have always had with Aaron Judge is health. Well, the last two years, 157 games, 148 games, over 633 at-bats, each, or played appearances each season. That's a big boost. And we've always known if he's healthy, he's an amazing hitter. He stayed healthy last last two years. So now he's starting to move up draft boards. Seems a little more reasonable. I'm, I'm, I'm interested. I still get nervous. I still get very nervous with Aaron Judge. What's your thoughts on Judge in the 2023 season?
0: Yeah, um, the projection that I have likes him. Uh, ranked third. Um, currently ADP around five. So you're getting a little bit of positive value according to the uh, to the projections you know, everything went right for him last year. You know, I mean, it's just ridiculous. You look across the board and like every single thing, you know? So when you start to scale it back, you know, fewer home runs and all those things, things start to wilt away a little bit, but then you look at the health piece, right? It's like, as long as he stays healthy, the worst season he's had with at least 600 plate appearances is 287 with 39 home runs, six steals, 89 runs and 98 RBI. Now, If you're drafting him here, you, you want a little bit more than that, but you don't need that much more than that, you know? And so I can definitely see taking judge, um, taking judge here. It's, it's all a factor of, of health. I think there's obviously the roster construction considerations around steals, but he's not crushing you in that, by that, in, in, in that standpoint. And, you know, home runs being, of similar value to steals at this point in time, you know, with the game that we have, the major question, I mean, some might even call it a triple dagger question is about the ball. Yeah. Which ball are they throwing him? You know, are they throwing him the Aaron judge special bouncy edition, you know, that they've been throwing and that Garrett Cole was throwing last year? Like, is that what they're going to do? Or are they going to have a little special ball for the Yankees so that they can hit a lot of home runs and, People will cheer in the stadium, you know. I don't know, probably not. Um, but I think Judge is a perfectly fine, if not very good, you know, pick, uh, where he's going right now.
1: Yeah. I'm, I, the, the longer it's like the opposite of J Rod for me, the longer the draft season's gone on, the more I've been like digging in and kind of being like, okay, I can live with Aaron Judge as a top five pick. I can like, I can sit there and be like, okay, the fact that I always struggle in power. Well, even if he's down, obviously, from 62, 50 is reasonable. 45 is reasonable. That still puts you ahead of the game, like, real quickly. So, like, would you rather go Aaron? Like, this is my dilemma in my head. It's like, do you want to go Aaron Judge early first round, or do you want to force yourself to take, like, a Pete Alonzo in the second round? Pete Alonso is very good, too. I've nothing against Big Meat Pete, but I think I want Aaron Judge in that scenario. Now, the fun part is, do you want to go Aaron Judge or Jordan Alvarez? We'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, that that's where it gets a little more intriguing for me. The fourth outfielder off the board that we will talk about is Kyle Tucker. Uh, 30 home runs, 25 steals last year. Only hit .257. That, I'm expecting that to go up big time. The guy's just a beast. It'd be nice if he ever hit in a quality spot in the order consistently. That'd be a plus, That that's like a broken record by now. He still produces when he hits fifth, and he's probably going to still hit fifth because, you know, why would you put him in the three-hole or something to make him very productive? Who knows? But I think he's still an amazing player. He's what people want Juan Soto to be. That's who Kyle Tucker is. And I think even if if it ever clicks, he's a 30-30 guy someday. But at worst, you're getting 30-20, which is pretty darn good. I think you're going to get that on a regular basis. So I love Kyle Tucker. I I'd almost take him over J-Rod just for the consistency factor. I know what I'm going to get from Kyle Tucker. Where J-Rod, it's only the second year. Like, There's a lot of things that can go up and down for the kid. So I love me some Kyle Tucker. What about you?
0: Yeah, uh, I loved Kyle Tucker too. I just... You know, the projections still say it's not like a quote unquote value pick. Not that you're really looking for value picks at this point. It has him ranked 10th and ADP at of five, you know, so he's negative five, but he's a $30 player, 30 plus dollar player. Um, you know, I just love the skills. I just love the skills, you know, great borderline elite contact rates, you know, hits for power. The Babbitt last year was incredibly low. So, you know, we all know the story. So, that probably gets a little bit of a boost up. You know, maybe not to the 294 of 2021, but um I think he's going to be really good and and I have no issue grabbing him here in the first round either. I think you know, I think there's yeah. I think there's um he's going to have one of those years. He's going to have a year sometime where it's just MVP type stuff. Just yeah, just unbelievable, you know. So, and maybe that's this year and I haven't taken a look at roster resource yet to see where they're projecting that he's going to hit. Um, but that has always been kind of his challenge, right? Is that he's hitting sixth or seventh in the lineup. He's he's back. To, he's back to sixth. Um yep. at some point he'll be able to overtake Michael Brantley in the two hole. But um or you know, Bregman could overtake take Brantley and he could hit three or, you know, whatever. But um, I think that's the major, you know, little caveat there, but he's provided really good production the last two years in doing that. So I I got no problems with it.
1: The fifth outfielder off the board, uh, aforementioned Juan Soto who we all love OBP machine, but what a rough year for him. I tweeted out some splits between the nationals and when he went to the potters where he was even worse last season, um he still hit his you know his home runs he still hit 27 homers only still six bags which you kind of expect 93 runs with only 62 rbis not first i'm thinking oh, it's because he's with the nets no he got more rbis than, Nats, than the, the the potters and yes he played more games i'm not stupid but it was that bad 242 average the babbit dropped exponentially but just a lot of metrics that make you confuse the soto he was just off last year he's probably hurt a little bit but um I'm not worried about him, let's put it that way. It's Juan freaking Soto. But it was a rough year last year, a very bad year, but he's going to be in a great Padres offense. I just – the fact – I like Tucker more because Tucker runs. Soto's not running anymore. He's just not running. Outside of that, they're very similar players to me. Honestly, they don't strike out a ton. Soto walks a little more. But Give me Tucker's uh, ceiling on the stolen base department. Other than that, Soto's still a beast. It's just – it's getting tougher and tougher to love him because he's definitely not running anytime soon.
0: Um, yeah, I think that Soto, I agree. I'm not very interested in Soto, especially where he's going. He is the 18th ranked player going at an ADP of 10. I think the challenge with Soto, I mean, I do think, like you mentioned, the BABIP was abnormally low last year. I think that will come back, but I do think that he has a few things working him against him, as you mentioned. He did get traded to the Padres, and while... It's a good offensive lineup. It is really tough for left-handed hitters, um, power-wise. Um, left-handed hitters struggle in in um in Petco or whatever it's called now. I don't I don't even know what any stadiums named anymore. And um, and so I think that's one thing to factor in. The batting average, obviously, coming up with the low BABIP, I think, but he still got that ground ball propensity. You know, even last year, despite having his second lowest ground ball rate. Um, you know, he still wasn't able to really get to that next level of power that you want to have, you know, if you're not getting steals, um, with your, with your first round draft pick. So I'm kind of steering clear of him. I think there's a little bit of a bounce back. The projections are all thinking the same thing as well. And so the question is bounce back to what, and I'm not sure that his ceiling is, in his current context is as high and he also hurt the, the new ball also hurts him because of, um, because of the opposite field and center field tendencies with his power. So yeah, I'm steering, I'm steering clear of him, but you know, he could be great.
1: Yeah, no, I'm with you hundred percent on that one. It's just tough to uh, buy into the first round for the Soto tag. Uh, the sixth outfielder off the board was one Jordan Alvarez who, Back-to-back back years now, he's produced 37 home runs, 95 runs, 97 RBIs this past year with a 306 average. He's just a, a pure hitting machine. Walked even more this year, struck out less. Uh Babbitt was the same. It was just the dude's a beast. There's really no sugar it. It's just a matter of stay healthy. He stayed healthy this past year. Uh keep DHing him. Don't put him in the outfit for the knees. I think he's amazing. I think he he's a he's a guy that could put a I want to say a judge like season together. I don't know if 62, 63, but uh, I could see him hitting 50 someday. is that good. Like the way he hits the ball so hard. Um, I'm a big, big fan of Jordan Alvarez. If you can get steals elsewhere, if you're comfortable on that, I think he's a great point to draft at this point in the draft.
0: Yeah. I got no quibbles with what you said. I think he's incredibly good. The outfield, um, the outfield position eligibility really helps him a lot. He's an absolute stud. Um, the one thing I, that I'll say, and again, this is just like, you know, quibbling with nothing is, you know, his, his K rate was much lower than it had been in previous seasons, um, about 4% lower despite him having a pretty similar contact rate to what he generally had. You know, he did walk more a little bit, but still does not account for it. So I think there's a little bit of a give there. But again, the projection systems are kind of banking that um in as well which is one of the reasons why it's good to trust projection systems because they um tend to do that um in the spreadsheet um you know they have him 28th 28th rank 28th wow adp of 12 so the not good for the spreadsheet game the spreadsheet the spreadsheet would say no dice it would say don't go your dawn where he's going right now and I trust I'm a man who trusts his spreadsheet.
1: Yes, so. you do. So, I mean, I'll get your on, and you won't. So it'll be fun.
0: It will be. It will be.
1: <laughs> all right. The seventh outflitter out the board is, I think a guy that needs to get a little more love than he has getting in recent years is Mookie Betts. It feels like all these young outfitters are passing him up and I get it. They're, they're pretty awesome. And Betts isn't running as much as he used to. He had 12 steals last year, which is the most he's had since 2019 where he was a perennial, like, you know, double like 20 plus guy there for a while. But he had 35 home runs, which is the most he's had in his entire career. So maybe a step back there. The one thing you know he's going to do, he's going to drive in runs, he's going to score a ton of runs. He's over 100 runs scored in uh five of the last six full seasons. Hits for a decent average. Actually, was down compared to usual last year. Gonna be hitting towards the top of that Dodgers lineup. Uh He's got an ADP right now of 11.15. I think he's a really, really strong play. I think he's – safe always a horrible word to say, but when it comes to – like back into the first round, if you want to take an outfielder, that's going to get you five categories, at least four and a half categories. There ain't nothing wrong with Mookie Betts. And I think he's a really strong player. It seems like every draft season, as the season goes on, he kind of falls back in the round. Yeah, I, and so we'll see how it goes this year. But I love Mookie Betts. What about you?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Mookie's really solid across the board. Um, nothing overwhelming, nothing spectacular but except for the run totals, the run totals are spectacular, but um, very good, very good, very balanced. Um, I got nothing super negative to say about Mookie at all. You mentioned that he did have a career high in home runs last year. He also had his second highest barrels per plate appearance, which is pretty impressive for a guy, you know, um, I say his age, like he's old, but he's 30. He's just been around for so damn long. Um, so, yeah, I think Mookie's totally reasonable and fine. Um, he's good. The spreadsheet doesn't love him. Uh, story of the day. Uh, rank of 21, ADP of 12. So if you're looking for values, quote-unquote values, according to the spreadsheet, early outfield is not the place to go. So do you believe the spreadsheet? It's what we all got to ask ourselves all the time.
1: I we'll just realize if you draft with Toby, you need to get early outfielders because he's going to have all the other ones as values later and you're never going to get them is what it comes down. Or you're going to have to fight for him. I don't know if you want to fight a lumberjack. Going it's, a
0: draft. it's going to be tough. Oh, dude, you don't want um, to mess with this, especially, especially a lumberjack in spring when I'm going to be doing drafts, in Vegas, like in no, March.
1: What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. So just watch out.
0: Well, I mean, you know, I get a little grumpy when the winter's ending. You know, so look out
1: when the ice melts. So does uh, Toby's patience. So watch out. You got All it. All right. The eighth outfielder off out the board is Fernando Tatis Jr. We talked about him last week. There's like tons of uh, potential there if you want. Uh, he's still got that ADP around 19. I imagine that creeps into the first round sooner than later. So, do you have anything to add? We hit on him pretty much heavily last week.
0: Yeah, nothing to add there. You know, the only thing that I'd say on on him is, you know, um, there's there's the great podcast that um, Rob DiPietro did where he had Phil and Steve and um, Jeff and and Tanner, and one of the things that they talked about pretty extensively was, you know, not having to take these risks early on. You know, so even though Tatis Junior appears, he seems like, oh man, in my in my spreadsheet. In my spreadsheet, he is a shortstop. So I have to change what I'm looking at here. So he is the sixth ranked player and his ADP is 19. So you would look at that and you'd be like, oh man, you got to go with this guy. You got to go with this guy because the spreadsheet says it, right? But at the same time, I'm a human being. I'm not a spreadsheet. And I know yeah, that slave there's the risk. Spreadsheet. Yeah. I know that there's risk. Um, or look at that Rob DiPietro. I say his name and he shows up, he, he shows up. I mention his name and he's there. Um, and so he's in the chat, ladies and gentlemen, those of you listening to the podcast afterwards, Rob DiPietro is in the chat. Um, so yeah. So I think that like, uh, yes and no spreadsheet loves him. Common sense doesn't probably split the difference, which means, ah, there's probably players that I like more that I feel a little bit more comfortable taking at this point in time. All
1: right, then let's go to the ninth out off the board. And this one was so much fun when I looked at his numbers a week ago for an article I wrote at Fantasy Pros. That's Mike Trout, ADP of 22. And it's always like, oh, Mike Trout doesn't stay healthy. Mike Trout doesn't do this. He's going to kill your team. Let me explain this to you. Yes, he didn't stay healthy. He only played 119 games last year. It, it, it's not great. He's still at 283 with 40 home runs, 85 runs, and 80 RBIs. Like the runs and RBIs you'd want a little more for, like, I think, I think we're, we're, we're given that. We know he's not going to steal. Like, you're not drafting him to steal bags. But he still hit 40 jacks and hit 283 in 119 games. I'm still concerned about his health at all times, just because that's who Mike Trout is. But he, like, you know, we're talking about taking a chance with Tatis. Trout's right in that boat, too. If he somehow puts together 130 to 140 games, like, watch out type situation. Um, and now you're not paying as much of a premium as you have in years past. Like, even with the question marks, he was still going in the first round. Now you're getting them in like mid-second round. If you look at like his maxes and mins, it's 18 to 28, almost the end of round two in certain situations. I'm a lot more intrigued with Mike Trout. Still haven't clicked the button on Mike Trout yet, but looking at what he actually did last year, I'm a little more intrigued. Uh, what are your thoughts on Trout? I'm guessing the
0: spreadsheet doesn't like much either. I got big news. Spreadsheet, spreadsheet likes Mike. Mike Trout. Oh, look at this. <clears throat> spreadsheet likes Mike Trout. You don't want to know who I blame. I blame the bat. X because the Bad X loves Mike Trout, loves Mike Trout. Five more home runs than Steamer, eight more RBI than Steamer. It's a heck of uh, a stat line. 152 point, 152 games, too. <laughs> 13 point uh batting average lean for the Bad X. That said, even the Bad X batting average of 269, Mike Trout has not hit lower than 281 in any season with any number of plate appearances since 2011 when he hit 220 as a rookie. So it just gives you a sense that, yeah, that it's it's good uh, for Mike Trout. The Again, though, I mean, I think you're in the same dilemma as the Tatis Jr., where you're like, ah, oh, you can't stay healthy. Is this a consistent thing? You know and maybe you gotta just be like "Mm, there are other guys that i could pick here where it's safer and they're also values so i think that's the question too is relative uh value i think that's one thing that's important for a lot of um for a lot of our our decisions we make throughout a draft is trying to determine relative value and in an uncertain future i mean really when I think about life, I think about how do I define relative value in an, all uncertain an uncertain
1: future? future We're all in an uncertain future.
0: Yeah. God. Bye-bye. I want to talk about
1: a guy that's, that was rookie of the year last mm-hmm. year, Michael Harris II. And he put together a great 297, which everybody drools about, 19 homers, 20 stolen bases, 114 games. And you look at the projections. The average drops as kind of expected. But he's still about a twenty twenty guy. Now the question is, do you want to pay an ADP of twenty seven for him? He's gone as low as forty two. That's a little more of a conversation worth having. But you're basically paying back into the second round for a guy like Michael Harris, who to me I see some similar profiles going a little farther behind him in drafts that we've seen do it more than once. Don't dislike Michael Harris, but it seems like some people like him much more than me. What say you about Michael Harris the second?
0: Yeah, uh, the spreadsheet hates him. Spreadsheet hates Michael Harris II. You know, I, I thought his name was Michael Harris and that the two was was what I was supposed to multiply his stats by in order for him to be a value on my spreadsheet. Ooh, I, thought I, was, I thought I was supposed to do it. He's, he's, 40, he's 46 on the spreadsheet. He's 25 uh, in his ADP um, for Michael Harris. So the spreadsheet doesn't like him, number one. Um, let's let's see what we got. So he had 19 homers, 31 barrels. That's that's decent, but he had a really high ground ball rate, 56.2 percent. Home run per fly ball at 22.9, BABIP at 361. So I think what is probably being baked into this is is some as a decent amount of a regression. The plate skills, I would call them. I would call his plate dis, discipline um Michael Harris, the 41.7 percent o swing um, and then his contact rate is actually below league average as well. So uh guys, guys let's let's settle let's settle it down on Michael Harris the second. all right, let's dial it back all right <laughs> All you people drafted Michael Harris the second. Dial it back, two notches, okay? Two <laughs> notches on the Michael Harris, the two.
1: Toby's uh, Toby's feeling some Michael Harris uh, hate on this pause. This will be fun. This, this, this is good right here. Uh, the 11th outfielder off the board, we talked about him a few weeks back, is Dalton Varsha, the new Toronto Blue Jay. Uh, obviously a catcher who we love at catcher. That's why he's going so early here. But we he's proven to be valuable in the outfield as well. But you're probably not rostering him to play the outfield if you draft him early, uh, any other thoughts on Dalton Varsho that we didn't hit on before?
0: Yeah. You know, I have a, I've got an interesting strategy point on this one. I, I think you should, um, I think you should draft Dalton Varsho and start him in the outfield. Um, I don't know if you've seen the new blue Jays outfield, but it's cavernous. Oh, yes. Yes. It's cavernous, you know, and if you put him at catcher, I don't know who's going to play center field on your fantasy team and be able to cover the whole outfield. Um, so I would I would draft two catchers in addition to Dalton Barsho, um, for sure. <laughs> that would be my approach.
1: Uh, Toby's got all the laughs tonight, folks. Watch out. He's feeling it. you got a I'm, sugar I'm rush on a something. roll.
0: I'm on a roll. Uh, that the was a 12th, joke, by the way. I, I mean, know. Please do not do that.
1: The 12th outfielder off the board, ADP at 36, is Randy Arrozarena. And this is one guy that I target year in and year out. it's like he hit 263 last year. The average dropped kind of what you never, you know, he always had such a high Babbitt, but he hit 274 and everything. So you kind of expected some drop. But again, another 20 homers, 32 steals. The runs, the RBIs are there. He's got that 2020 potential time and time again with maybe even more, especially the stolen base department. Gonna play every day is one of the few Rays you're pretty confident is gonna be out there every single day, and they just let him run. You want to get thrown out all the time? They just keep letting him run. It's a beautiful thing with Randy Osorina for fancy. That's what we want. And it's like, why would I go for Michael Harris II when I can go go Randy Rosarena a few picks later? Stuff like that. And that's what I was kind of hinting at earlier. There's other profiles that I like more that give me a 2020 base with potential. I love Randy Osorina. I've loved him every year since he's you know had that big postseason. Nothing is changing this year for me, Toby about you
0: yeah i i agree um the spreadsheet likes a more than it likes michael harris the second um i will tell you that much um they are relatively similarly valued but um a rosa arena like you pointed out is going later on you know rank of 40 adp of 37 at the moment so um a arena, yeah i think you know the steals are are key like you mentioned before um you know, pretty gold with the 20. you know, you're drafting a lot of guys in the first round and you're hoping they go 30, 20. And this is a guy that could go 2030 or has gone 2030 from where, where you're drafting him. So I think it's a super interesting um, profile. It's been consistent. He's got two straight 600 plate, plus plate appearances. I don't see why he would dial it back when it comes to like running or, or anything like that. So, um, I think, I think it's nice. I think it's really nice. And he's, he's been pretty consistent, you know, like the last two years, 8.2% barrel, 7.9% barrel career, 8.3%, you know, yep. um, batting average 274, 263 in those two full seasons. Um, I just think there's, yeah, I think it's really, really solid. I mean, maybe you're leaving a little bit in the runs in RBI just because the environment and the raise offensively leave a little bit to be desired. So um, I might not want him leading the line or something like that, but he'd be, he, he's, he's really solid. Yeah.
1: I'm a huge fan of Randy. I've uh, been targeted many, many places for me. Uh, the 13th outfielder off out the board is Lou Luis Robert, Jr., Robert, Jr. It changes every time someone I look it up. So I'm going go with Robert Jr. right now. Um, the caveat here is we just talked about it with Tatis and Trout and it's injuries, we know how talented this guy is, but injuries, injuries, injuries. And it keeps me off of him for now. He's one of those guys, if he ever stayed healthy, could he go 25, 25, maybe? I just don't know if he's ever going to do it right now. So I have no Lou Bob in my life, and it hurts because I think he's super, super talented. But with an ADP of, you know, 48, and you got other guys going behind him, which I kind of like similarly or a little better, I just, I, I've just been off Lou Bob. So what's your thoughts there?
0: Yeah. You know, um, he's a really interesting case because, you know, last year we were drafting him in the first round because of what he did towards the back half of, you know, that year, right? 13 homers, six steals, 338 batting average. We knew he wasn't going to hit 394, but he still hit 284. He did have only the, two, the 12 home runs, 11 steals last year, but... You know, he, Toby's favorite metric, he has 27 barrels for those 12 homers in one of the most homer-friendly parks in all of baseball, you know? Um, So there's a little bit of bad luck there. Um, You know, uh, he stole at a decent clip. He's still 25. He's young. He swings. He puts the ball in play you can kind of see like the ground ball. I'm interested. Let's see a little bit. Like I'm interested to see what the graph does because the ground ball rate is super high, which tells me, you know, he's probably injured. The spreadsheet does not mind him. I think he's um, always he,
1: injured is a concern. He's always, always hurt. He he's is, killer. he
0: is. But again, like, you know, we say that about like so many players and it they are until they're not, you know? Yeah, yeah
1: no. And I love, I love Lubop. I've been a big yeah. opponent. I just man again. The next two guys we're going to talk about, I'll take over him right now. That's the problem. Yeah,
0: yeah I mean, I don't know. It's it, he's a he's a tough one. He's a tough one because the profile is juicy. Um, it's really a nice profile because it's got power, it's got speed, and it's got batting average. Like that's the one thing that he's never really. Um, I mean, he did hit two thirty three, but like he's a two eighty nine career batting average guy you know, 924 plate appearances, 289 batting average, 345 Babbitt, you know, which is not necessarily a surprise. The ground ball rates at 40.7% for his career it was at 45.1 last year. You know, the plate appearance, the the plate, plate, plate approach sucks, but I'm trying to scale, dial that back from my analysis because it's like, I think it was eno who did a recent analysis of like does o swing really tell us anything about people and in five by five it doesn't necessarily maybe no. it just tells us that it is not going to put the ball in play as often
1: well strikeout He's, rates are going up so much i'd rather worry about the quality of the contact that they do make than the guy swinging them unless like hey yeah, swing them as a ton you're not gonna play anyways so that, that's kind of the way i look at it
0: yeah well and he puts the ball in play a ton so again you know as long as he stays healthy you know, I think it's fine. And the projections say it's fine. Um, 51 ranked 51st ADP of 48. So he's minus three. But again, and one thing that I think is important to note is we got Randy Ren at $21.80, right at a rank of 40. And um, like within $2 is Kyle Schwarber at, at 53. You know, so it's like, there it's a very fine line between those guys. And it's kind of like, you know, your risk preference. And maybe that's why you don't draft him is because you say, Hey, you know, this similar analysis to Tatis Jr. Like, yeah, he could have an elite season, but you know, there's more, the error bars are, are wider. Yeah. Um, okay. so,
1: it, it's the there's the juice worth the squeeze and it can be very very juicy there's no doubt about it so like i don't fault the people for the Lou bob for me it's just not where i'm gonna take my chances at this point in the drafts but um i hope he does well eventually because i've been i drafted him a few times and paid the price so i'd like to see it pay off for somebody that'd be good good for sure uh the 14th outfitter off the, the board is a guy I'd probably take ahead of Luis robert is cedric mullins and I know people say, well, he started getting platoon towards the end of the year. He still played 156 games and had 672 at-bats and played appearances. So even with platoons, he played quite a bit. 16 homers, 34 steals. He expected the power to come down, hit 258, average dropped a ton. But again, this is a guy that's got you know 15, 30, 20, 25, 20, 30 potential at all times, I think. I really do. Um, I love said Mullins, and now you're getting him at a better discount compared to last season. Um, so, yeah, I, I got no problem with some Cedric Mullins. What about you?
0: Yeah, um, he's a zero. Spreadsheets, is, the spreadsheet is agnostic. It's normally not agnostic, but it is agnostic on um, on Cedric Mullins. Yeah, he, um, I think the analysis is spot on that you just did in the sense that, like, you know, people are saying, oh, well, the, there's the platoon piece. Well, yeah, he, he still hit 672 plate appearances. He's got that much in two of the last you know, the last two years, he only six hit 16 home runs. So you're like, ah, what a dud. He sucks. But then you're like, oh, well, his home run for fly ball was 7.7%, which is the lowest of his career. Right. Um, he had 24 barrels, you know, 16 home runs. So that's like a reasonable approximation, I think, but you could also make the argument that maybe, you know, given he's, he's really done a number on his ground ball tendencies earlier on in his career, that, that, that there's the possibility of that going up so you have another kind of 2030 guy i guess my question for people drafting michael harris is why not wait yep 100 for this guy too like yep. either one him rosarena or even the Rose next guy, Reina, or the mean, next guy. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah there's a
1: whole slew of guys that have that 2020 potential sitting back here that you can wait a round or two on if not more yeah yeah and that next guy the aforementioned mentioned garcia has an ADP close to 60 right now. It's like 58, 59, depends on where you look. And I know, like, we were going into the last season, it's like, oh, he went 31, 16, 243. Oh, who is this guy? He can't do it. Well, he went out went 27, 25, and 250, and drove in 101 runs and kind of looked like he improved a bit, if not stayed the same. Like, you know, his, his, you know, the hard hits, the barrels, the max, all this stuff, it went up a little bit, but all in all, very similar profile. When we saw the year before, his strikeout rate dropped. Three and a half percent, which is which is a plus as well. I love me. I'm buying into Adelise now. It's one of those things I've always said. Show me again. Well, he showed me again and showed me very well. And it, it, again, why would I take a higher pick on Michael Harris when I can go get a Rosarena or Mullins or Adelise Garcia? So, yeah, this is a. I'm a big fan of this as well.
0: Yeah the uh, the spreadsheet does not like Adelise. It doesn't um, surprise me. It does not like Adelise. Um, <clears throat> but. You know, with that being said... It's because it's, it's the batting average that the projections have, which yeah, they're really downplaying
1: him. That That's where you're... Your they're low.
0: Yeah. I mean, the one, the one argument I would make on behalf of the projections on the batting average front is, you know, he had the same contact rate in 2022 that he had in 2021 in a similar number of plate appearances, but his K rate was... You know three a little about three and a half percent lower, so if you take out that, if you add a little bit to that k rate, which the projections do in differing amounts, I think that's where you see you know the dip in that batting average and him entering the two the, the two thirty range. I think the challenge is making the argument that there's like a higher ceiling to his batting average, you know and and so maybe that's like maybe he's hit his upside and And there's just downside from here. But as you mentioned, like, he's hitting in the middle of the lineup. He's playing every day. He's fast. He hits for power. You know, he kind of does everything. And and it's not like there's any massive glaring weakness outside of his plate discipline, right? But Mm -hmm. clearly the Rangers, although better, you know, have – they're willing to throw him out there. know in the position that he's at they've only signed pitchers they're not they don't have that much better offense right so um you know he is 29 which is fine so i I think it's fine i mean i think i think you're right i think they may be a little too skeptical on the batting average but i think the ceiling may be a little bit capped um right there but again You know, if he hits his projection, if he hits 233 with 28 home runs and 18 steals, I mean, would you be that sad?
1: No. And that's a very uh, pessimistic uh, approach, I think, for what he's proven the last couple of years, as as he said. Like, I'd love to know if your projections or your your spreadsheet, if you said, like, if he hit 240 with 28 and... 20 like that, just that little boost would just have it would have to because the batting average is what they're they're yeah. fighting on there so and, and
0: the, the batting average is valuable i mean it's yeah. the it's, yeah. it is the scarcest uh yeah. commodity so that's,
1: that's what this just so I, mean, I knew exactly what it was when you said it doesn't like i like it's because the projections hate his batting average so it's 100% what it is
0: and i think that's one of the things that you have to keep in mind you know is each spreadsheet is different and the way that you mm-hmm. approach it is different as well and so if you see a reason why you think a projection may be missing on a given player because of whatever it is. Like I think a better example would be like Mike Trout, where it's like mm-hmm. he's never hit, I mean, he's never hit like lower than like 289 yeah. in a reasonably long season recently. And, you know, Steamer has him in the 250s and the bat has him in the in the high two sixties. Now it's certainly within the realm of possibility, but do I agree that it's his median, median projection, you know, maybe, maybe not, but the projection systems are pretty smart. So again, you got to think about it. Don't, don't, don't follow your spreadsheet to the T like use some of your judgment. And maybe that's a space where there's, it's an example of where you want to maybe not change the projections, but just kind of factor it in or look for a similar profile and say, Hey, you know, if he actually does what I think he's going to do, which is more, you know, Luis Robert, like then, then he's ranked 51st, you know, For sure. Um, which is not a good comp at all because um, Luis Robert is going to hit a lot higher, but you know yeah. what I'm saying?
1: For sure. For sure. All right. That wraps up our top 15 discussion for this episode. We'll do a little longer shots here. We'll each do two from ADP 200 to 300. And I love Toby's first one here. I've been drafting them everywhere. So what do you got on your first one?
0: Yeah. So for um, pick number one, I'm going to go with uh, Ramon Loriano. He's a frequent guest on my teams. Um, uh, Loriano right now, according to the spreadsheet, you know, he's about a $10 player, which ranks him in at about 165, but he's going at an ADP of 232. Uh, he's clearly going to play every day, which he couldn't play every day last year because he was suspended. Um, there's obviously some injury challenges. I think you know the batting average was um, supremely low uh, last year. He did struggle a little bit with contact, but he also didn't have you know a full spring training. The Bavip was a career low, career three eleven. He was at two sixty two, so you can see the room for growth right there. But even with a two thirty three batting average, which is certainly possible for him, um, but I would I would say you know. I I would take the over if I was taking something, you know, getting that with, you know, the bad X projection is 20 homers, 14 steals. The A's are going to be bad. You know, maybe he'll get traded somewhere good, but even with that, he's still, I think a really nice value going where he's going. So that was the number one guy that I I wanted to kind of highlight. It's a 67, 67 pick difference between what he's ranked in the spreadsheet and what he is going for. Yep, I like that one quite
1: a bit. Uh, the first one I'll mention is Andrew Benintendi, ADP around 219. Gets a new home in Chicago, and that is going to be much, much to his liking, I believe. Um, last year, only five home runs, eight stolen bases. Really never got clicked into the power department. It was still at 304. More importantly, the best strikeout rate of his career, 14.8. And he still walked over 10%, which was good to see. But Max EV was the best of his career. a 5.1% barrel rate, which is kind of normal for him. And you mentioned, like, you know, five home runs on 20 barrels, something's got to give. And a lot of that was the ground ball rate went up to 43% when the fly ball rate dropped to 34, which led to a 3.8% home run to fly ball, which is way below his career norm. So put him in a better ballpark, hopefully reverting a little bit back to what we saw before. You know, the projections got Benny hitting, um, you know, 14 home runs, 10 steals, 260. I think that's a decent floor for him. This is the guy who used to steal 20 bags in a couple back-to-back seasons in 17 and 18. He showcases his highest 20 home runs. You know, 14 and 10 is pretty good. You never know. Maybe he, he clocks in the 15, 16 homers and gets closer to 15 steals. Right? There's at least upside with that after the pick 200, which I like a lot in that Chicago White Sox lineup in that ballpark. So Ben Intendi would be a guy that I'd have circled later, especially if you need some steals in, at that point in the draft. Who's your next guy?
0: Um, My next guy is, um, and this the, the, the spreadsheet likes Ben Intendi as well, Um, Ranked 211, ADP at 220. Um, My next guy is Randall Gritchuk. And Gritchuk, I'm going to go with Gritchuk for a couple of reasons. Number one, the spreadsheet likes him. He's like ranked 220th and he's going around pick 260, I think. But another thing that I think is interesting um, is that he is going to the same uh lab that designed the bat for um arenado and goldie and a couple other big figures um grichuk there was an article that he went to that same place and so um you know i am i am sometimes especially like if a guy already looks good you know thinking about what he's done in the past with the power potential the value of homers being in core's I like that, so I think Gritchick is a is a nice little guy going where he's gone.
1: Can't you'd uh, he, imagine that to be better than last year? That's for sure. For sure. Um, the guy I'll I'll mention we mentioned him on the first base podcast. That's Will Myers, uh, ADP at two sixty five. Going to Great American Small Park, going to get the the main run in the outfield for the most part. You know, he had seven homers and two steals last year. is the guy, that's usually getting your fifteen plus homers. He still has double digit steal capabilities in him. If not, I'm getting five to tens reasonable. But the power will be there, you know. Hit two forty, two fifty, in a very, very, very hitter-friendly ballpark, as we know. Like the Bad X has him for sixteen and six at two forty. It could be it. Maybe he's broken, but I think there's still a lot to like with Will Myers. Um, you know, seven point three percent barrel. Of the Max EV was great last year. I think there's room to go up for Will Myers. I might be overestimating. Maybe I'm overplaying Great American Small Park, but that is a phenomenal adjustment from Petco Park to Cincinnati. So I'll take a chance at Will Myers, especially with that first base outfit eligibility out of a lot. So I think at around 260-ish, I think it's a it's a pick I like to make. post three hundred eighty ADP, Toby, we got two guys each. Who do you got for your first one?
0: Yeah. And by the way, I don't know what happened, but my video has, has disappeared. I can no longer see you. Oh, I can um, see you, though, so you still look good. Yeah, okay. Good. Good deal. I'm not going to press anything that would... That might jeopardize things. Oh, I figured it out. I figured it out. It opened me in a different tab gotcha. um, when I was jumping around there. Um, the spreadsheet was angry. Yeah, um, for sure. Um, I'm going to go with a Will Myers teammate here. I'm going to go with uh, one of the guys I really loved having on my team towards the end of last year, um, which is Jake Fraley. Um, there's always the possibility of a platoon with Fraley. I mean, let's be honest, that's probably going to happen. So you've got to understand that when when drafting him, um, but you know his ADP is after pick 300 as you mentioned before. I've got him 248th in in the spreadsheet, so that's a value of about 58 picks. Um, the projections have him doing that in in fewer than 500 plate appearances as well. Bat-X has him at 15 homers, 13 steals. Steamer has him at 18 and nine. Uh, batting average is not you know tremendous necessarily. But one of the things that I really like about him is just the plate skills are really good. Like the O swing has been low throughout his career, 24.7 for his career. You know, the contact rate is better than league average throughout his career. It was better than, you know, pretty much any point in time in his career at 76.2% last year, you know, so that's all really good. So you've got good plate discipline, you've got good contact skills, you know, the barrel rate at 7.3%, you know, while not outrageous um is really solid you know 12 home runs uh 12 home runs on 12 barrels so he's very high there but he also you have to factor in kind of the context of of great american small park and that's the best home run hitters slash hitters park in all of baseball potentially and so um i really like i really like jake fraley um you know the challenge being kind of navigating the the ins and outs of of the potential platoon there, but you know why not give him a shot? Why not give him a shot?
1: Yeah, we saw it last year when he played pretty much every day. Very very valuable uh, for me. I'll go with Manny Margot, Manuel Margot is likes to be called now. ADP of three eleven. Um, it's always been a stay healthy playing time situation, and right now the way the raised roster is built, looks like he might not be getting platoon. This might be his gig. And with Manny Margot again, only twenty eight, which is kind of surprising. He feels like he's been playing forever um when he plays at least 120 games he's had double digit homers in three out of four years and double digit steals in every season like he runs and runs and runs uh the bad x has him for 128 games 12 homers 16 steals hitting 250 uh usually has a you know 250 to 260 average give or take it 274 last year in a small sample but what i love about him is you know the chance to get double digit homers double digit steals on the raise there he's like a you know, poor man's Rosarena back there, like really poor man's. But you get the, you get the power, you get the speed at 80 p past 300. We've always known Manny's got that. And, um, you know, at that point in the draft to get a guy with double digit power and speed, I'm a big fan of. So he's a guy, if you're uh, if you're looking for depth, you're just looking for some steals or something you're short on. I like Manny Margot uh, where he's going at ADP 311. Who's your – This spreadsheet
0: version? loves that pick, Bubba. Yeah. Thank you. Absolutely Thank you. loves it. 84 pick value
1: i like it See, look yeah. at that. every once in a while folks
0: i, I gotta you, figure it out oh you do you have it all figured out all the time he's like going at adp of 315 and he's what is it uh where did he go 315 230 231 for his rank beautiful um yeah it is beautiful good call there um the second one that i'm going to go with is tyrone taylor um Tyrone Taylor is 309th ranking in the spreadsheet, 414 in terms of his ADP. Um, I'm not convinced that there's a super high ceiling with, with Turner um, or Tyrone Taylor, but I think he does get a shot there. They did just sign Brian Anderson, which I kind of dig actually. I'm kind of into that. I, I could have switched this over to Brian Anderson, maybe a little bit, but um You know, Taylor, they've got him, the projections have him at about 500 plate appearances, you know, hitting 20 home runs, stealing five bases, you know, playing, um, you know, a good chunk of the minutes there. And so, again, you know, he's got he's got a little bit of pop, 9.9 percent barrel rate, 9 percent over the course of his career. Um, So you can easily see him hitting 20, 25 home runs in a season. With a little bit of steals, the batting average is probably going to hurt you. But where you're drafting him, I think it's a it's an, it's a really solid pick. Uh oh, ladies and gentlemen, I've got some bad news. Bubba appears to have disappeared from the podcast. I'm not sure what's happened. I'm going to text him, check up on him. While we're doing that, um, I got a couple questions. Um, I got a couple questions after the last show about the spreadsheet that I'm talking about. So I just wanted to put a plug out there um, for uh, Tanner Bell. Some of you may know him as at BB on, um, on Twitter, uh, Tanner has a spreadsheet. He has an SGP spreadsheet where you import the projections and it can get you some values. And it's an incredible tool really revolutionized the way I play the game. And I, I think it's, it's incredibly beneficial. So if you go to smart um, .com, you can, you can purchase it. It's well worth the, uh, the price of admission, Would highly recommend that. So if you're interested in translating these projections into a dollar value, that's a really good way to do it. There's a lot of different ways. Like everybody has a different way of doing that. Um, you know. So whether it's, uh, he also has a projection aggregator. So you plug in the projections, however many up to five and you add those in and um, it spits out the meta projection for all those. Um, Bubba's telling me, he says, keep going, Toby. My computer is acting up. Um, so, um, I would highly recommend that again, it's at, um, let me just double check the, uh, the URL it's, uh, smart fantasy baseball, um, smart fantasy is, is the spreadsheet where you can get your very own spreadsheet care of Tanner bell, but well worth it. Highly recommend it. I was just giving a little shout out to the, um, to the spreadsheet. uh, I have got got
1: the new edition of the process in the mail today. Actually. Really?
0: I got it a little bit ago as well. I, 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 you want to know something? I have not read the process or the baseball forecaster yet.
1: You were taking it real slow this year. I respect it. I'm really taking it it slow.
0: I'm not, I'm trying not to develop any biases. I should read the process. It's also because i've been reading a lot of fiction and so you have to balance you know reading books and um yeah you have to balance reading like books and and reading fantasy baseball books
1: yeah, i get it i get it i needed to just read period that'd be a good start for me um you like tyrone taylor we always love tyrone taylor so i, I can support do. that for, for sure. sure um the guy i'll mention and i know his adp will keep climbing but adp of 430 would be andrew mccutcheon and I'm just—it's it's the, the biggest reason I love him. It's because it's well, it's Cutch. He re, he he came back to Pittsburgh, which I was a big fan of, and they're gonna keep playing him because why wouldn't they play him? Um, he, he at least play 130ish games, I'd imagine. You know, the bad cousin for 125, 17 homers, eight steals, 247. He still had 17 homers and still eight bags in 134 games last year. The batting average has de- deteriorated the last couple of years, but the power's been still a bit okay. He steals a few bags. And the fact he's going to play nearly every, like we we talk about accumulating at-bats. A guy with those kind of at-bat skills, past pick 400, uh, I'm a big fan of. The only reason I don't see him playing is if he gets hurt um, or some magic way the Pirates decide, hey, he's going to be a mentor, which I don't see happening. So um, I love Cutch at that point in time. You're just looking for at-bats, and I'd have him circled late, late in drafts. All right. You ready to do some listener questions here before we head on out? Yeah, Let's we got some that. really great
0: listener questions. Yeah. Yep, yeah. Let's do them. Let
1: me pull them up here. Smart people. And thanks for making it happen, people. Um, we'll start with our buddy Willie G, Willie Garofalo. Is outfield as shallow as some people make it out to be? Will you be a, Will you be making an adjustment to attack the position before a certain point in the draft? Um, what are your thoughts? Like We kind of hit on that earlier. It, I think the elite talent obviously drops off quickly, but you found the value, it seems like, later on.
0: Yeah, I think there's value later on. I mean, I think, you know, I think the genesis of this question in general, it's just kind of like, you know, what I'm trying to change a little bit in my approach, and one of the reasons why I haven't been involved in a lot of drafts recently is I think that we get we fall into these kind of um, you know, and it it could go either way, right? We familiarize ourselves on one side there's I'm familiarizing myself with the player pool. And then I think on the other side there's like you know, like anything that we do repeatedly, we develop these like, you know, um, not to get too deep, but we develop these neural pathways, right? We develop these habits of, yeah, biases, but also like, okay, I'm in this situation. I'm going to grab this player or I'm in this situation. I'm going to go grab this player. I can choose one of these three players, right? And I think it removes a lot of the flexibility and like the, the broader kind of view in some respects. And so what I'm trying to do is really focus on that relative value piece. Right. Because if I'm not like, if I'm not drafting an early, like, like if you, if you draft an early outfielder, maybe you're not getting an early shortstop. Yep. If you don't draft this, you know, so it's all like, the question is who are the best players you can put together that create a balanced team. If you're playing in for an overall You know, and so that's really the focus. And so where your weakest elements are, I could have four totally shit outfielders, you know, they're totally shit, but my infield is made up of gods. You know what I'm saying? So like, if that's the case, then it's totally okay. You know, and that's just the way that the, that, that the season runs and, and maybe then I'm like, okay. And fab, I'm really trying to look out early in the season for guys who are higher up in the lineup or have showing some sort of skill or taking a chance on this guy. So I just think that like, you know, the, the, um, the focus on, on, you know, getting these guys early here, what I'm more concerned about is if I see a position where there's like no value, where it's like, what I want to see is some some pockets of green and I want to see some pockets of red. So like for those of you unfamiliar with conditional formatting, red being bad, green being good. So I want to see some green outfielders that I can target and I want to see some red outfielders which means that other people are making mistakes. What I do not want to see is like a Cedric Mullins where it's like they're agnostic, where everybody's agnostic, there's just a zero. There's no opportunity for value there and there's no mistakes that are being made, you know. And and again, like of course I'm kidding around, but I mean like I want to see some of those dark greens or those darker greens, which again, with conditional formatting means a better pick, you know? And so it's like, when I look at it's, it's like, anytime you look at the top end of a draft, you see a lot of yellow and that's because these guys are expensive and it's hard to meet that projection, you know? And so, so again, you know, I want to see where there's green higher up there, but you know? Um, But not like with the same risk as like Fernando Tatis Junior. And so you are probably not going to get somebody. So get a guy that helps you build your team. You know,
1: well, yeah. And it goes it goes back to the thing I've been trying to say a lot, and other other people have too. Is like we talk about positional scarcity, but it's more like just build your team, like you said. Like look at the statistics. In the end, it doesn't matter who plays what position. It's the grand scheme of things. So um that's kind of what Toby's talking about with the outfield. Like I don't have to take a guy early if I can get X, Y, and Z and still be okay later on. We're good. So makes a ton of sense um he also asks which outfielder is the ice cream cake of outfielders
0: oh the ice cream cake guys uh, that's a really good question um that's a an excellent question um uh, you know um <laughs> in my heart or like on the spreadsheet you know yeah
1: whichever you prefer
0: uh i would say in my heart you know because i'm uh i'm a masochist um is uh is probably kyle tucker not because okay. the projection says that he's super good but i just think the guy's good you know yep. what i'm saying like i'm with you i just think he's really good the skills are good like just seeing him i don't know if you if anybody else read the article he had where he talked about um he ate captain crunch before every game. Yeah. Something like that, where he was like, yeah, I was really struggling and then I started eating captain crunch mm-hmm. and then I did really well. And so I'm still eating captain crunch. Like that's the type of player that I want. So we can team. respect that. I can respect that. I can respect yeah. that a lot. Um, but, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. I'll leave, I'll leave it there.
1: Okay. Jenny Butler has a question for us here. Maybe this question. is a better question for part two. No, this works perfect right now. Um, if you're looking for laid out past the cliff, what kind of guys are you targeting? Platoon guys, guys who have underperformed and need to make a change, young upside guys, old boring guys. What's the type of player you're targeting later in drafts? Like I mentioned earlier, like Manny Margot and Kutch, these guys are getting at bats. They're getting playing time. They might be boring, but that's what I want. I'm not, I don't know. Like I don't know, I'm not opposed to taking chances. It's just when I'm getting late in the draft, that's what I'm going for. So uh, what are you looking for back there?
0: Um, I think it's a great question. Yeah. Um... I think there's a couple routes you can go. I think, like you mentioned, there's the boring veteran route, right? Without much ceiling, but consistent, maybe underperforming. Well, I think there's really three profiles. Uh, the the second one would be guy who has underperformed or been injured, but we know can can ball, like if everything goes right, you know? Um, this is a bad example, but like, you know, a hobby bias or something like that, where it's like, Last year he was going at pick sixty five. This year he's going at one sixty five. Has something? Has that really changed that dramatically? That type of player, which you know, honestly, like you don't see that that late on. But I think that the player that the type of player that I'm going to try to look for probably this year is power speed combo guys. I'm looking for the guys at that point. At that point, it's all a crapshoot. You know, later on, like pick three hundred plus even 250 plus. I mean, what percentage of those guys are really on on your team the whole season? Yeah. Yeah. And so I want to try for some of these higher upside guys where if I get lucky, you know, and that happens every year where like a guy starts off just blazing hot, doesn't deserve it, but he gets lucky. Right. Um, But there's only certain types of guys that can do that, you know? And so um, you know, I may throw batting average in there too, but maybe somebody that can contribute two of those three scarce categories, you know, in like a meaningful way. Um, so like Laureano is a really good example where he's been really good before, you know, he struggled last year and he had fewer plate appearances cause he was injured. But, um, you know, we know he's got power, we know he's got speed and he has hit for average. So he kind of gets like maybe all three of those, you know, um, Let's see. Who's another example? Obviously Garcia, right? Yep. Crappy last year. I wanted him on all my teams. I got I like him on teams. a bunch of teams. Like he teams. he sucks. But, you know, he's also going at pick 320 this year, right? Versus 218. Is anything all that different? Was last year injuries? Was it lack of preparation? What was it? You know, um uh Lane Thomas, you know? We got
1: a question We got a question on him. We got tonight. a
0: question on Lane Thomas. Yeah, Mar- Manny Margot. Um Jake Fraley, you know, like guys like that, where it's like they're they're providing the upside, you know, because I think, you know, theoretically I'm trying earlier on to get guys that I feel better about and more comfortable with that those are guys are going to provide the core. And so the difference between me finishing like third or fourth in a league versus winning a league is maybe one of those guys hitting, you know, whereas if I go a little bit more conservative in that route, you know maybe I'm just going for plate appearances or you know whatever it is then maybe just maybe you know you don't get the same you know you 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 don't get the same opportunity I mean it's all risk reward but I think when that when that risk is very low and there's not anything meaningfully different between that player and somebody on the wire then I think those are the types of shots that I want to take later on probably
1: all right, a couple of questions here on the YouTube chat, and then we'll get back. Uh, Jimmy D says, he's bullish on the Angels. Do you think Jared Walton, Shilla, can be solid this year? I've written up shell in a few places. I love him for late-round batting average asset at third base. I think there's a lot to like there. He might even gain shortstop eligibility at some point this season, which gives you MI and CI. Does he light the world on fire? No, but he could probably get you 10 to 15 homers if he gets going and gets you a really good average and a very good Angels lineup. So I'm with the Urshila hype walsh i'm still nervous about that decline last year was pretty dramatic and scary you're not paying a premium for him now which kind of what toby was saying with the outfield stuff which you know if he gets even close to what he was or halfway back to what he was before it could be nice but i'm not really in on walsh but i do like your show do you have a thought on either one of those guys toby
0: um not really yeah. I'm, I'm not a fan of either one i don't think
1: and then ryan turner was just echoing when he said amen to that i typically expect zero to ten steals from first third corner infield Cherry picked an example in 10 seconds. Thought that it uh, isn't possible ADP-wise, but if I have JRAM, Witt, and Freeman, then now my infield and outfield favorite targets change. So basically what Toby was saying, like you can adapt based on how you build your team. It's not just a you have to get certain positions with certain productions, basically. Um, Wake Up asks, update on pocket aces. Are you planning on doing it this year?
0: Um, Maybe. <laughs> I mean, we'll see. Um. I have not drafted yet. I probably will not draft until February at the earliest, probably late February, I would guess. Um, When I look at the board, here, let me just take, let me open up the spreadsheet here. When I look at the board, there's a lot of feelings. I get a lot of feelings. Um, You know, right now, or if I were to approach it, maybe. I still might. I mean, the thing I think where I went maybe a little wrong last year is I started a lot of my leagues with four straight pitchers or three straight pitchers. And I'm not quite sure that I'm going to do that again. Um, That's still going to be pitching heavy approach probably, but that I probably will not do again. So I think it'll depend on where different players fall if things stay the same and I can get, you know, Garrett Cole and and Corbin Burns at, you know, in the first and second round, then I'll probably do that. Um, If I can't and I wait until the back end of the round and I get a Woodruff or a a NOLA um, to partner with somebody, and then I get like JTR or something like that, then, you know, that's totally cool too. Um, So yeah, I still think it's on the table. I still think it's on the table, whether I'll go there. I'm not sure. And then there's also the, the, elite relievers um Mm -hmm. which i think are also on the table as well in that spot so you know i i did a episode i did a podcast with james anderson so if you're interested in my take on it more broadly um the rotowire podcast with um james anderson i go into more detail on kind of pocket aces and, and my thoughts on pitching this year but the market's also shifting it's already changing um pitchers are getting pushed up you know so a lot of what what was I don't think it'll be back to what it was last year in terms of like how high pitches are going but I think I think you're gonna see a big scrunch there in the second round yep
1: uh buddy Ben Tidd asks do you see yourselves being okay with drafting some of the riskier unproven guys like Harris Robert Adelise and Carroll because of the perceived lack of depth in the later rounds I think we kind of went over three of those for sure uh, I think we're both kind of out on Harris Toby's at least interested in Luis Robert I think we both like Adelise we'll get to Corbin
0: Carroll next week yeah okay yeah so the spreadsheet does not like corbin carroll
1: yeah i i that's why i'm saving it for next week because will Garofalo gave a glowing explanation of Carroll on a, an episode or two ago of Bench with Bubba, but still a tough one for me um jones uh, curtis jones says good question about jenny's question earlier thoughts on the guy who burned me last year who but who again is penciled into the leadoff spot talking about lane thomas of course um so we'll start with Lane Thomas. So what's your thoughts? I kind of stopped you to talk about him earlier. Um ADP of 276. And I know you were in and I think you are in on him last year, in and out on him at some points last year. So what's your thoughts on Lane Thomas?
0: Yeah, I was in I was in and out on Thomas, but he really benefited me towards the back end of last year. Um if you had him at the end of last year, he was really he was quite he's quite a guy to have on your team at that point in time. I think a lot of his steals and and a handful of those home runs came in the last month of the season. So um, yeah, I think he's a really good example. Um, I already mentioned him before, but I think that he's a guy where, again, you know, he's hitting at the top of the lineup. Um, He is stealing bases. There's not a lot of competition there and he's played pretty well, you know, like even last year, bit of a dud, but 548 plate appearances, 241, 17 homers, eight steals. You know um that's that's a very reasonable production from where he's going in the draft um so part of it is tempering our own expectations of what players are going to provide but then i think it's also like just getting lucky in terms of when you have them on your team but i think thomas is a is a nice a nice target this year for sure
1: uh, his other part of the question was interested in your thoughts on the D-backs. We'll hit that next episode because we have about three of them I think we'll be talking about. So we'll we'll get into some D-backs talk next week for sure, Mr. Cujo. Uh, last question we have here, Toby, from Steve Brun, Who's playing left field for the Yankees on opening day? This is a fun question because Roster Reese Torres has Waldo Cabrera. Um, you know, Aaron Hicks is still around. You never know. Dejan LeMay, he might find his way out there. There's a lot of weird moving parts and maybe the Yankees aren't even done yet. So that's a, that's a tough, tough one for me to answer right now.
0: Who plays left field for the Yankees? Yeah. On opening day. Oof. Uh, It's a mess right now. Tommy Pham. That would be beautiful. That would make sense actually. I would love that. Oh my God. That would be great. That would be great.
1: Yep. Yep. So it's a tough one. There's, I think they go and make another move. Let's put it that way. I don't think it's, I don't think it's anybody on the roster right now. That's what I foresee happening. Could be wrong, but I think there's going to be another addition in the Bronx before that's all said and done. And Hey, as much as you don't want to see it, maybe G and Cardinal out there and they get someone else to DH. That would be a nightmare, but an option nonetheless. All right, Toby, that'll wrap us up for our outfield preview. Part one, any final thoughts before we get to, 16 through 30 and some more depth next week.
0: No, a lot of fun as usual. Thanks for all the great questions. I know we're, you can tell we're getting into kind of draft season now with the increasing questions, but um, really appreciate that. Thanks everybody for listening. And yeah, let's, let's roll on to outfield uh, episode part two.
1: Yep, it'll be coming at you guys again next Tuesday night as you guys you want to watch it live or download it Wednesday morning, whichever you prefer. But as usual, find Toby on the Twitter there at Batflip Crazy. I'm at Bediantric. This was Ben or Bubba and the Batflip episode 143. Thanks for listening, everybody. Catch you guys next time.
0: That's gonna wrap us up for episode. Number 239 of the Batflip Crazy podcast and edition number 143 of Bubba and the Batflip, our first of two outfield previews. Hope you enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. Thanks, everybody, for all the questions. Um, really nice, uh, super thoughtful questions. Really appreciate you all listening and engaging and uh, in the chat and um, asking the questions. So uh, we'll, we'll see you next time, um, next week for part two of our uh, outfield position preview. Best of luck with all of your fantasy baseball research. Take care and be kind to one another.